I'm going to finish up my Christmas sermon today. And somebody asked me why the first month and first week of December I didn't uh, preach that beginning of that series. And the reason I didn't is because I was going to end it today on a subject that we need today. Okay? So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 26. Book of Matthew chapter 26. Brother Steve was talking about his resolutions and his resolutions was, was about like a fellow told me, he said, this year, I'm going to have a balanced diet of Snickers in both hands. Amen. <laughs> and then he said, I decided I'm going to eat more vegetables. That means more ketchup on my French fries. <laughs> and that's about like our, most of our resolutions. One preacher told me, he said, he said, I decided I'm just going to get closer to my deacons this year. And this whole year, I was just going to get to know them, going to get closer to them. And that's my resolution. The next year's revolution, resolution was, I'm going to find me a new church. Amen. But that's not the case here. We have good, wonderful deacons, and I thank God for them. And uh, you better thank God for them because they have fought some battles for you and for this church and been a blessing to all of us. I'm glad, though, we don't live by resolutions, but we live by revelation. And that's what we're talking about, unveiling, unveiling Christmas as it really is. Now, I'm also, some people have strategies for the year. I'm glad we don't live by strategy, but we really live according to the supper. Y'all understand this? You see, strategies usually are pretty pathetic because times change as far as strategies go. For instance, if you're saving $500 a year for your retirement and you have 20 years left to work, then that means you'll have 10000 plus what little interest, zero and a half percent that it earned. And so based on that strategy, you better die early. And then say you have $38,000 a year stuck back and you see a truck you just have to have and it's $30,000 and you go buy a $30,000 truck and you're about to retire, here's your strategy, live in your truck. It's the only thing you can do, only thing you can do. I'm glad we don't live by that strategy, but we live by something that never changes, the Lord's Supper until he comes. But I noticed something as I was studying that I have really never preached on and, and put it in the form of a message. I've preached this text multitudes of times, but I've never put it in a message. Matthew 26, turn there if you're not already there, and I want you to look in verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said... Take eat, this is my body. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to them, saying, drink you all of this. For so this is my blood of the New Testament. Say New Testament. <clears throat> for which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine." Until that day when I drink it new. Say, drink it new. With you in my Father's kingdom. And I want to today talk to you on about revealing the 
wow of Christmas. Now, you might feel better with the term wonder of Christmas because this text, when I noticed verse 29, God started rolling things through my head. And for the first time, I saw that verse in a different light than I'd ever really thought about it before. I, I just always, you know, went to the, uh, the Lamb's Supper for the bride, and that was it, and I thought no more about it. But that's, uh, he, it, there's more here. Look what he said. I won't drink of this fruit of the vine. I'll not touch it again until I... Eat it and drink it new with you, new, new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so I want to pray and ask God to do something new in us today. Father, help me to pray in such a way and to preach in such a way and to have the passion in such a way that the Lord's Supper will be meaningful for us today, meaningful to us. God, I need your power. I don't have anything magical, and I certainly don't have anything charming. So, God, I have to use and depend on you, Holy Ghost, and this inerrant book I hold in my hand to get me through each week. So I ask you today if you'll just start to work and work now through this service. Somehow would you slap the devil aside, bring some folks and let their minds get out of the gutter or away from some project or recreation and get it back on the Word of God. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I'm going to take you to about three places today. Matthew 26, 1 Corinthians 11, Revelation 21, and Revelation 19. There'll be very quick places I will take you and I'm going to talk to you about three things today. First of all, I'm going to talk to you about the New Testament. Secondly, I'm going to talk to you about the new table. And thirdly, I'm going to talk to you about the new thrill. Those three things, and we'll be done, and we'll get back to doing what Jesus told us to do. First of all, as we reveal the wonder of Christmas, what we're saying here is there is a New Testament and we now have experienced the reality of the Lord's table. The, the, the disciples struggled a little bit that night because they had not experienced the reality of the Lord's table. But in just a day they would and in a few more days they would. And so as they, as they sat there that night eating the Passover with their, with their master, they did not exactly know what was about to come even though he had been clear to tell them. And so he told them that night that there's something about to happen and it's a brand new Testament. That word means promise or covenant. I'm going to do something new. That's what he said. That's what he said to them. So that night really became a new celebration. At Matthew 26, 29, when he said new, I think he's saying this, there will be a new understanding and there will be a new relation each time we take the Lord's Supper when we get to be with Jesus. Why? Because it is new. It'll be far different than this Lord's Supper. It'll be far better than this Lord's Supper. It will be far different than this Lord's Supper. So we do this in remembrance of Calvary's cross work. We do this as a reminder of Christ's second 
coming. And we do this as a rejoicing of a changed bride of Christ. Those three things is the things that brings us today around the Lord's table. Holy, can you imagine that, you see, they was eating the Passover supper. Can you imagine the Bible says, I I believe that we're going to eat in our glorified bodies, and so I think we're going to eat in heaven. Can you imagine everything you put in your mouth is holy? Because it's been touched by the hands of Jesus. It's holy. Just think about holy turnip greens. Now, I don't know whether they'll be there or not. Not at the, but, we, but listen, we won't need to observe the Passover anymore because he'd, over, he'd already passed over. He'd already put the blood on the doorpost of your heart. He'd already saved you and forgiven you. So you're sitting there now in a brand new environment to take the Lord's Supper. And so there was a New Testament. Secondly, there was a new table. See, realizing the newness of a Lord's table, he says it will be new. How then can we see the marks of a lamb in person? I think that's how it's going to be new in one way. Today we just imagine, we, we, we let God speak to our heart. We read about them in the Word of God, the marks that's on the Lamb. The book of the Revelation always uh, tells it it's the marked Lamb of God. Still has the prints and the nails in his hands. So we'll always remember what he did at Calvary. We won't have to have the Lord's Supper. We'll see the marks in his hand at this Lord's Supper. It's new. It's new. That time... It was different. He had no marks yet, but he was going to have the marks. And so we we see this new table is going to, first of all, we can see the marks of the lamb in person. Second of all, he will have already come. And thirdly, we will already have been changed. And we will all be sitting in his very presence but we have been changed to sit in his presence because we are now made white in his righteousness so now it's it's new this way when we read the bible especially in first corinthians 11 the bible tells us to examine ourselves but when we get to heaven there is no sin examination because there's no sin to examine y'all ain't getting this you see, it's going to be new because there's no, today I'm going to call you, and some of you better do it. You ought to if you live for God. You need to get some things settled in your heart, get some things forgiven. But not at this supper. At this supper, there will be no sin to examine. There will be no heart of confession. Isn't that going to be good? There'll be none of that. Secondly, there'll be no shadow or symbolic experience. Everything will be in full living color. It is there for us to reach and to touch and to lean on his breast. I mean, it is absolutely in full living color. And thirdly, there will be no surprise explanation. We will understand Calvary. We will understand what God has done for us. We will never forget the grace. We will never forget the love. We will never forget his forgiveness. We will never forget his shed blood. There at that table, it's going to be new. It's going to be new. And so, there in 
his presence. We'll see those things. And in 1 Corinthians, I begin to read this passage as Paul took the church at Corinth because they was messing up everything. They wasn't taking the Lord's Supper right. They was running their mouth, gossiping, fussing, arguing, couldn't get along. They had Facebook. Their church was split six times. Now, you know, I began to think this morning, I'll tell you something. I began to, I've, I've, been worried, I've, been, I've, I've been racking my brain over this last year. What is the difference now? There's something different about trying to pass. I've talked to pastors everywhere. I've talked to pastors of big churches and little churches. I've talked to godly pastors. I, I, I've talked to men who walk with God and preach still powerful. And they all will admit it's different now. And it dawned on me this morning. You know why it's different now? Because all week long we've got our nose stuck in Facebook or we're Twittering and we're tweeting and we're twingling. And all week long, if something happened we don't like, we're putting it on Facebook for the whole world to see and for lost people to see so they can go to hell. And for saved people who's weak so they can fall by the wayside. And so folks who needs to be in a Bible preaching church will look for another church because you've got your mess stuck on the Facebook for the whole stinking world to see. And it's changed how we pastor because everything that happens now, people's gossiping about it before we ever get to church. Used to, when we got to church, we come in here to worship. We didn't come in here to hear that mess. But now it's already implanted in our mind. And no wonder God don't do anything. I didn't in my sermon, but I had to tell you this one. I'm busting with that. It has made our church, it's made most every church I know of different. Because of social media. We ought to be different. And we ought to get our nose out of something that's not our business. And we don't need to air our dirty laundry or air somebody else's dirty laundry, which you don't even know is really dirty. You're just gossiping about something. You don't need to be arguing about some theological or some mystical or some moral issue over Facebook. You just need to get off that mess and start working for God. Mop your floors, wash your dishes, feed the dog. Get it done. So, there's going to be a new table. You say, why? Well, there'll be no traitors at that table. Judas was there that night. <laughs> it's going to be new. No traitors there. There'll be no forsakers there. You remember, they forsook Jesus that night after that supper. But there'll be no forsakers at this table. There'll be no gossip at this table. There'll be no lies at this table. There'll be no misunderstanding or irreverence or disrespect at this table. It's all new. Can you think today, just we took this one day, what the accumulated sin of this, in this building is for just one day? Can you imagine that? What the accumulated sin of just this day in all of our lives piled up what it looks like before God. So I'm not going to do anything about mine. We'll go ahead and mess this service up. If you'll, get, if you'll say to God, God, I want you to do something in me, God start doing something in your church. So don't fuss about your church until you look what's in your heart. And so I'm just telling you, it won't be none of that around that table. There'll be no divisions. You remember 1 Corinthians started about divisions? Paul said, I don't like what I see going on because I hear there's divisions among you and I believe it. 
Then he said, there's heresies among you. And there'll be no heresy at that table. In other words, everybody's going to believe exactly like Baptists believe. Like the Bible says. Don't y'all get all upset. I mean, everybody's going to believe the same. Today, everybody don't believe the same. Everybody can't sit in the same class without a war going on. Can't sit in the same church without criticizing. And so here at that table, everybody's going to believe the same. There's no heresy. There's no selfishness. There's no traitors, betrayers, or forsakers. And everything we eat or drink has been blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a new testament and there is a new table and lastly there is a new thrill a, a new thrill now i'm gonna give you four things that's going to be new about this thrill and i want you to look over revelation 21 look at revelation 21 that's the last chapter in the bible revelation 21 now, when we get here, we've already read the rest of the book, so we know how to interpret it. And so look what God tells us in chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven. Say that, new heaven. And a new earth. New earth, all right? For the first heaven, first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Look at verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said... Behold, I make all things new. Say it with me. Behold, I make all things new. Not some things, not a few things, not most things, all things. You see, that's what's going to be different about this supper because everything there is going to be new. Everything is going to be new. Revelation 21.1 says it's going to be a new, uh, 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 new place. A new place. In other words, there's going to be a new beginning. Some of you needs a new beginning in your life, and you can have it down here. But up that, down here, you have to have it with a robe of flesh that the Holy Ghost works in. But when you get to heaven, you won't have that robe of flesh to work through. It's going to be new. It'll be new. So there, this new thrill, first of all, has a new blessing. Because Matthew 26, Jesus says he's going to bless this thing. So there's going to be a new Blessing, and then there's going to be a new beginning, Revelation 21, a place. We're going to be surrounded by a totally new place. No more heavens, that's the atmosphere. God takes it all, burns it all up. The stars and the moon and the sun, everything we can see, God takes it. Because the air atmosphere is who's the power of that? The devil, right? God's not going to, God's got not going to let stand anything the devil's messed up. So, He's going to burn that up. And he's going to burn this earth up. And we won't have anywhere to go, especially at the great white throne, except we stand before him, right? But it's going to be new because we're going to forget when we get to heaven everything this place was like down here. You're going to forget your big old farm. You're going to forget that new Cadillac. You're going to forget that big old truck. You're going to forget going to the Grand Canyon. You're going to forget your vacations and your cruises and all the things you go on. Listen, let me tell you something. They can't come close to even touching the hem of the garment, what Jesus is going to do at that table. Everything's new. Everything's new. A new heaven 
and a new earth. You say, what's it going to look like? I don't know. Go ask God. He didn't put it in the Bible, so I guess he don't want us to know when we get there. That's why it's a wow moment. It's a wow moment because we won't know till we get there. That amazing? And all of us is going to be wowed by what we see. So it's a, we get a new place in this new beginning. Is a new person in this new beginning. Up close and personal. Look at verse 3. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And look at verse number 7, what he goes on to say. He would overcome us, shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. It's not only a new place, but we have a new person. Uh, what I'm saying about that is we know Jesus now by faith, right? But then we're going to know him by sight. So, so the relay, the sonship, there's going to be that up close and personal love for our Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to be new. It's going to be new. New person. But also, it's going to be new because there's no pain. Verse 4 said, that God says there shall be any more pain. Neither shall there be any more pain. How many of you know what pain means? Yeah, we do, don't we? Can you imagine living? I don't, even, I don't, don't think I even understand what it means not to have pain. I think most of you are like that. Can you imagine going to a place how good we are going to feel with no pain? No pain. I started to say when you get up, you'd have no pain, but you don't get up up there because there's no light. No, everything's day. When you get up once, you done got up forever. Well, that's the way it is. But So, look, so it's a new blessing and a new beginning, but thirdly, it's a new behold. Now, don't you look at verse number three. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with me. Verse five. Behold, I make all things new. Now, I, I can't get a grip completely on this, but I'm going to have to believe it. When God says, I make all things new, that means they're new every day. That means they're new for eternity. They're not less new the second day you was there and lesser new the third day you was there, and lesser day the fourth day you was there. It is new every day. Everything is always new. When you get a new house, don't it feel better? It does. When you get a new car, a new truck, doesn't it feel better? That gas smell. Oh, I love that. Don't you? And, 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 and listen, when you get a new husband, don't it feel a lot better than after about three years? Right? After about three years, oh my God, what have I done? And, and so everything is going to be new. And, and it's hard for me to grasp, but just think that out. The Bible says we're going to be serving him uh, in chapter 22. And so when, if we're serving God, somebody walk up to you and say, did, what, did you get a new job today? Yep, brand new. The next day, you got a new job? Yep, new job. It's always new. You say, you got, got a new hairdo. I can see it. You really fix your hair nice. Is that new? Brand new. Next day looks the same thing. Brand new. I make all things new. That means they cannot deteriorate. There is no corruption. Help me. That's why Jesus said this supper is going to be new. 
because everything there's going to be new. And here's my last thing. There's going to be a new bidding. Look at verse 6. He said to me, it's done. I'm Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'll give to him this is thirst, the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I'll be as God, and he should be my son. But the fearful, is that you? And the unbelieving, is that you? And the abominable, is that you? And the murderers, is that you? And the whoremongers, is that you? And the sorcerers, is that you? And the idolaters, is that you? And all liars, is that you? Shall have their part in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is a second death. So what God is saying here is that before I come, every time we take the Lord's Supper, we're saying that I'm coming again, 1 Corinthians said. That's our testimony today. You see, this Lord's Supper means something to us in our hearts, but it doesn't mean anything to the world in their heart. So what we're doing today is a testimony to this town and a testimony to this world that we believe that Jesus is coming again to eat new with us this supper. Now, they may not believe it, but that's our testimony. But you may not have a testimony because you've never been saved. So God said, I'm bidding you. I'm calling you. And when I call you, if you'll come, you can drink of the water of life freely. <laughs> can you amaze? You say, well, what does that mean? It means you always can drink of the water of life freely. It never runs out. It's never, never emptied, never has to be filled. It's new. And then he says something else. He said, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I'll be his God, and he shall be my son. He not only will give us a salvation in verse 6, but he'll give us a new satisfaction. Most of us, I know I have never, ever been contented in my whole life. Never. There's something in me that's always wound just a little tighter. This church will never be good enough for me. I, I, I'm never good enough for me. There's something in me that just can't get everything satisfied. And I begin to read this text, and now I know why. Now, I know why. Because this body was made with all those darts coming at us and all those thoughts flowing through our mind and the devil's coming at us in all directions. But up there, everything's new. I have no pressure. I don't mind getting sitting down with anybody. Nobody's mad at me. And I'm not mad at anybody else. Nobody needs to forgive me and I don't need to forgive anybody else. Nobody hates me and I don't hate anybody else. I don't worry about if I get a new house because I've already got a new mansion forever. Sometimes you say, I just can't wait till this get done. Up there you never have to say that. It's just new. And so there we'll be setting new supper with total satisfaction. Personal contentment like we've never known before. And then last of all, I'm through. Not only was there a new beginning, new blessing, a new beginning, a new behold, a new bidding. There was some new brethren. 
sitting around that table, there was not one child of the devil. There was no fakes. There were no frauds. There was no tares. They were all new brethren. Brethren who'd been made new. You say, you, you, you Baptists, you think you're really something. You, you want to run and talk about being born again and you can't lose your salvation and all that stuff. You, no, no, we, we don't think we're anything. We think he's really something. He's really something. Because he too took something rotten and corruptible and nasty and filthy. As a bunch of lepers' bandages. He took that nasty mess and made us a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's what he can do for you today. If you're miserable in your heart, you know why? Because you need to be saved. If there's something missing in your life, you know why? You need to be saved. So God's calling you today. If you'll take a drink, you'll never be thirsty again. I, I constantly stay thirsty. Never, never, ever quench my thirst because I, I, ha, I have a reason for that. And so in my body. So I have to constantly. That's why I bring this bottle here, not to be disrespectful to church, but because I can never get enough water. But the problem is, it doesn't matter how much water I drink, it just don't do any good. It just sit for about two minutes, you know, and it's over. So a little fellow like me, you know, before long, he's bulging out. Like here, looks like you're going to have three twins, you know. That's it. Three would be triplets, I'm sorry. <laughs> we don't think we're anything. We just know one day we fell on our face and said, Jesus, thank you that you shed your precious blood on Calvary and you stopped by our door and inside our heart there was faith and repentance and you said, Father, let's pass over them. I died for them on Calvary's cross. I rose again that they might be saved so someday I can sit down with them when all things is new. Mm. Revelation twenty two eleven says, the state you die in, you stay in. I get this and we're through. If you are drunk now, when you die, you're going to be a drunk, but you can't get your thirst quenched. If you do, die now and you're, a, uh, and you're immoral, and that's been your life, you've been immoral through your life, when you get there, you'll still have that lust, but it won't ever be fulfilled. If you're a liar, you'll, go to, you'll stay a liar, except you'll be a worse liar. Imagine how horrible it's going to be to be in hell. But God gives us a warning today that you don't have to live old anymore. You can start living new because he'll make you new. So while we're here with these trays of unleavened bread and cups of unfermented juice, Fruit of the vine, Jesus never used wine when he talked about the Lord's Supper because he didn't want nobody to misunderstand. Unleavened bread meant there was no sin in his body. Unfermented wine meant there was no sin in his blood. That's the way it is. So we're here with that before us, number one, so we can remember what our salvation cost as Scott prayed this morning. And number two, it's an examination time for you Christians. Not one of you or two of you or a group of you. Not who you think ought to be examined, but examine yourselves. And then we're here because it's decision time for everybody.
If you're lost, you can get saved. If you're backslidden, you can come back to God. If you've got some sin that you just can't kick, you can come down and get victory. Whatever it is, it's decision time. So we have the privilege today to take something precious. And we're not told to take it as a fake or to fake or to take it with bitterness or with sin in our heart. We're told to take it. Now listen, and I'm through. God did not give us the Lord's Supper to give you a way out of taking it. By saying, well, I'm not worthy to take the Lord's Supper. You wasn't worthy to get saved. You wasn't worthy to eat your, get your next breath. You're not worthy to have food on your table. None of us is worthy of all that. But Jesus Christ and his blood made us worthy. And so we come to this table today. It's not to give you a way out. It's to give you a way close. You can get closer to him and closer to him. And someday when it's all said and done, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, it'll all be new. All be new. I thought about Brother Ray. Uh, no, no telling. God had such a, much, a marvelous plan just for the last few months of his life. He put him in this church. He'd been coming to this church. And he gave his heart to Christ. And he and his wife were baptized together. And because of that, his funeral was here. Had that not happened, his funeral wouldn't have been there. And because of that, his funeral was here and somebody else got saved at another church. And now maybe because of that, somebody will get saved at another church.